Well, yesterday, our next speaker made a powerful argument that biblical prophecy is still relevant today. Aside from his remarkable ability to communicate some of the Bible's greatest mysteries with profound clarity, he is one of the most courageous leaders uh, I have observed. And last night's fantastic documentary is a case in point. Although he wasn't fully responsible completely for it himself, he does um, co-lead a team. And to harness the resources, the partners, the team necessary to produce something that innovative, that striking, you have to breathe boldness. It's easy to take for granted that something like that can come together, but it doesn't. It takes a leader that's prepared to take risks. And that's been my experience with the Red Dog. Today he leads the Canberra National Seventh-day Adventist Church. Please welcome back Pastor Justin Lawman. <laughs> You're a worry. I'm not sure about Casey's introductions. How are you all today? Uh, I want to give away a book. Does anyone want a free book? You do. This young lady on the end, this is your book. Um, People are asking questions, can uh, want to know more about the book of Revelation. This book is on sale here this weekend for $30. The ladies on either side are selling the book. It's actually not glued, it's sewed, it's bound properly. It's, uh, it's an excellent commentary by an old evangelist, Austin Cook, who's no longer with us, on the book of Revelation. And it's available for $30 for a bound book. That's a bargain. So... See if you can get one of those. There's a few boxes in here. I don't think they'll last. You take that home. Don't let Dad take it off you, eh? Um, should Protestants still be protesting? I was a young pastor working uh, Grafton and McLean churches. I had to conduct a funeral uh, at the McLean Cemetery. And I have to say, I was a little shocked and taken back because... When you go into the country towns in Australia and you go into the cemetery, they divide where you're buried according to your religious persuasion. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I don't know whether they do that in Toowoomba. They do. Oh, well, I'm preaching to the choir. I was shocked. They didn't know that because where I had grown up in Queensland, they just had a cemetery. But in McLean, there was the Catholic section there was the uh, Lutherans and the Methodists and the Anglicans had a big plot and then down the end was other. Uh, I, I have to say, you know, Jesus is bigger than any church, than any denomination and I don't think that is religious racism and I, I don't mind where they bury me as long as I've died believing in Jesus. They can chuck my body in the back of the yard, whatever. Um, unfortunately, the Reformation and the beautiful things that came out of it has not always had good things come out of it. And we're living at a time where we're seeing, and guys, if you can put my pictures up, it'd be helpful. Um, we're living at an amazing time in history where we are now... Uh, last Tuesday, Tuesday was the 31st, wasn't it? Last Tuesday was 500 years since Martin Luther nailed his 95 complaints 
on the church door there in Wittenberg. And here we are 500 years later. And, and we saw in the news, this is the German celebration of those 500 years. I want to answer the question today, is that all done and dusted? Is that all over? Uh, I, I need to get a mouse working too, guys. It's, um, hang on, it's been switched off. That's probably, probably why it's not working. There you go. Uh, the, the president of the Lutheran faith for the world church and the, the Pope of the Roman Catholic faith, they met together and for 12 months they've been sharing communion. And for them, they've actually just this last week had a formal apology and apologised for the hurt and the, the different things that have been done to each faith during that time and they have declared that the Reformation is over and not them alone. Back in 2014, Kenneth Copeland declared the same thing. The Reformation is done and dusted and that's just now confined to history. I, I'm not of that persuasion. I don't like religious racism and it doesn't matter where we come from and what we've known and believed, we are all one in Christ Jesus as Christians. But what was the Reformation really about? This is some of the things they just said. Uh, we recognise that while the past cannot be changed, its influence upon us today can be transformed to become a stimulus for growing communion and a sign of hope for the world to overcome division and fragmentation. And they apologised to each other and said, Christians have wounded the body of Christ and offered uh, and offended each other over the past 500 years. And that's true. It really is. Uh, what was the nature of the protest is what I want to have a look at this morning and see whether we still need to worry. Remember, the Reformation doesn't start with Luther. John Whitcliffe in England, had a whole following, uh, the, the Lollards were, were following him in England, and he was a man that wanted to get the Bible, he was a, a Roman Catholic priest, a scholar, Oxford University, he's the first man to translate the, the Bible into what we call Middle English, the Whitcliffe Bible, and he wanted the masses of his church, the masses of Christianity to own their own Bible. In the year 1226, the, the church authority of the time had banned the Bible. Can you believe that? If you were caught with a Bible, you could be burned with your Bible because every Christian was not supposed to own one. That's why these men were protesting. Huss, the swan, he was, uh, lived in Bohemia where Czechoslovakia is today. He was a brave man and a scholar. And he wrote and wrote about the need for the church to reform, for the church to get back closer to Scripture. And these men were so brave. Huss was promised safety into Germany, what we now call Germany. And uh, to go to a council, he was condemned. And despite the promise of safe passage, Huss was burned at the stake. Uh, it, the fires didn't kill him, they actually had to uh, execute him after he was burned. 
the horrendous things that were done in the name of Jesus for anyone that would stand up and say, let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to the Bible. It was his writings that influenced a young German named Martin. His real name is Luda, but it didn't sound very good, so he changed it to Luther. Martin Luther, who entered the Erkfurt University to study law. He was 17 years old when he entered the university. It was while he was studying law for the first time, I think he was 19 years old, the first time in his life in the library, he saw a Bible. He was 19. It was chained to a wall. So no one could take it out of there. And he opened and for the first time in his life, he read the sacred scriptures. He says he read the story of Samuel. And his life was to forever be changed. As he uh, went through life, he, he was being a good monk, but it wasn't working. As he'd read that sacred scripture and then he'd see what he had been taught, he realized that they were poles apart. And one day as he's climbing these uh, holy stairs, the Scala Sancta, in Rome, he says, has he got a part way up the staircase? Because every stair on your knees, you could earn time out of purgatory, either for you or for your family members. A part way up, he heard a voice, and the voice was a verse from Scripture. He believed it was God himself, and it, the verse was, the just shall live by faith. Luther went away from there and seven years later, and by the way, the catch cry of the Reformation, that they eventually discovered from Scripture, is expressed in these, these five phrases in Latin, sola scriptura, the Bible alone, uh, sola gratia, which is grace alone, sola fide, faith alone, and solus Christus, Christ alone, all for the glory of God. That was what the Reformation stood for. And I, I don't mind which denomination, which tag you have, which sticker on your car, but as Christians studying this precious book, we can say amen to those things. Amen. They never wanted to leave the church of their day. They wanted it to be reformed. Hence, they were called reformers. Reformers. Well, Luther, after studying it, and he, got, he became a doctor and was appointed to the uh, University of Wittenberg, he, he nails... 95 complaints on the church door. The church door, by the way, was notice board. Don't go back to your church and start doing this. We don't do that anymore. You should have one somewhere at your church, but not the front door. They were practical guys in Germany, apparently. Um, they would put notices up on the door, and he wanted to start a discussion, just a discussion. He was 
fuming mad. Luther was a pretty rugged sort of individual. If you read his writings, he liked going to the pub. And in fact, one of his great hymns, I believed, was from a pub tune. So he has some colourful language and he was rugged and you didn't want to upset this guy and he was white hot. I think the 95 complaints or theses could have been written in 10, but he wanted to get to 100, I'm sure. And he either ran out of ink or steam by the time he got to 95 and he took them down and nailed them on the church door for discussion and what happened that day started what we now call the Protestant Reformation, full flight. He uh, was brave to do that. wasn't long they issued a papal bull, which was a, the Pope declaring that Luther and all his works should be burned, not one to back down from a fight. Luther finds every book the Pope ever wrote and had his own bonfire. <laughs> uh. You didn't want to, if you were an employer, I used to have to choose employees. I'm not sure I would have employed Luther. I'd come round the corner in the morning, the office would be burnt down because we did something wrong. He was God's man for God's time. And he had, that was a death sentence to do such a thing in the dark ages. Death sentence. Well, Luther... Eventually, the princes of Germany think this guy's all right. They protect him, and he turns up to an event that we call the Diet of Worms, 1521, where he has to give an account for what he believes. They asked him two questions, just two, on a table were his books and publications. They said, first question, are these your books? Well, of course they are. Second question, do you recant? That was the only discussion that was had. Luther seemed to have got cold feet. He asked for 24 hours before he gave the answer to the second question. They must have been interesting 24 hours. He knew his fate. His fate was at stake. His fate was being burned as a heretic. But this man loved the word of God. And he took a stand that day. And because of the stand that was taken in 1521, because of that stand, you and I have one of these. I can't express to you the significance of that event. Western, modern Western society was birthed that day. Individual freedoms. Individual rights freedom of conscience, the very cornerstone of Western society, the individual and our freedoms, that is what the West was about, was birthed that day because of the bravery of a German monk. And we, you know, I have about 30 copies of this book in different translations on my shelves at home. 30? I'm greedy. That's the actual location, 1521. From there, lots of others took their stand and we developed this plethora of great theologians. Melanchthon beside him was probably a better theologian than Luther, but not quite the leader. And then Calvin on the other side, amazing theologian. These guys came 
from the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, and came up with such theological insights. And we are the descendants of that today. And all these different reformers, Wesley uh, is two, 300 years later, but he's still a reformer. The reform didn't end with Luther. It spread as new truth was learned, as new things were discovered, a journey was begun. And what is being declared to us today that now we've arrived and that journey's over and should be shut down. I, uh, the price that was paid in this age is something we don't, we don't appreciate. These outside Oxford University, the cross on the ground where the Oxford martyrs are burned, jailed. Murray Durant was jailed in this prison as a 19-year-old woman because her husband was a pastor. Uh, she stayed there for 38 years. That was the toilet. Every Thursday, she had the opportunity to confess and recant, and she could have gone home. But for 38 years, that brave woman said, I choose Jesus and his word. Eventually, the French let her out of prison in mercy as an old woman. Ah, wow. Why the Protestant or why the protest must continue? I want to give you three reasons. First one, theological darkness has returned to our society. I'm amazed at Toowoomba. I drive through this town everywhere I look, there's a church. What happened to Canberra? There are churches everywhere in this town, and that's a rare thing, because if you go through society today, go down the street and ask someone to tell you one of the Ten Commandments. In Australia, this country that claims to be Christian has actually descended into an absolute abyss when it comes to knowledge of this precious old book. We, we've got, the Bible might not be chained up with a literal chain, but wealth and prosperity and secularism and everything else has got this thing hidden and buried and locked away from most of the people in our society. We need to keep protesting. Secondly, individual liberty and freedom have been and are being destroyed in our society today in the name of safety. The Bible says that in the last days, they'll be crying peace and safety. And that's all we hear. They have to take away your freedoms. They have to spy on you. They have to look into your life just like it was in the dark ages. That's what's happening in our society today and it is not of God the pillar of personal freedom. You know, because, because Luther took his stand, not only was personal freedom discovered, but the Protestant work ethic. And it rose because all of us have a personal responsibility. If I run around blaming everyone else for my life and what it's like, and I don't take responsibility, I'm not following the Reformation. The Reformation says, I have to be responsible for what I believe and for what I do. And if I need money, I need to go and get a job. If you can find one. Thirdly, a global dark ages. 
is to take place before Jesus returns to the world. Jesus says in Matthew 24, it's called the tribulation. He says that such a time coming to the world where if those days weren't shortened, no flesh would be left alive. He says a time like in Daniel 12, a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation upon the earth. There is trouble coming according to this book before Jesus returns. It's not the length of the dark ages, it's a short dark ages, but a dark ages is coming. What will get through you through that dark ages is what got Luther through. A knowledge of Jesus through this book. Keep protesting. Keep reforming. Keep bringing your life, my life, my church, your church closer and closer to this book. That's a place we can only find safety. God bless you. Thank you very much, Justin. And I'm sure he doesn't mind if you call him Red Dog when you see him next. Give him a hand one more time.